0: All right, Paul, welcome back. How you doing, bud? Good, man.
1: Just got out of the shower. Ran this morning
0: for the first time in like a while. <laughs> Isn't that mandatory for you Army guys? You, you guys, that's a fun time for you, right? Just running?
1: Yeah, but... With the new ACFT, the new fitness test they have, you have like four
0: hours to run two miles, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> oh, you guys must be uh, looking at the uh, Air Force standards and going there. I'm exaggerating, but it's it's pretty it's pretty awful the minimum standard. So yeah, well, I like how they broke the chart now into uh, year five year increments. So now you know once you hit forty to forty five, that's one, and then forty five to fifty, you get you know uh, lower lower requirements to do everything. So. Uh, well, cool, good, yeah. I'm, weather is finally nice in Minnesota, so thank God for that. I can actually nice. be outside and do fun stuff. So, yeah, things are looking up, man. All right. So on the docket for today, we're going to talk about seeing opportunities. So you and I have had the the fortune of participating in so many different opportunities in the last couple of years, and the reason we have comes back to one of the principles from becoming your own banker, um, which is when you have capital, opportunity will find you. So at first when you have capital, you got to seek out opportunity, you know, go find some deals, but eventually, and we are two cases in point on this, those opportunities will seek you out. Instead of you having to search for them, so let's just spend some some time today talking about that and, and helping people get their mind right and training their mind to see opportunities. This isn't a mindset podcast, but I think you and I are both agree that you know your your mind is powerful and your mindset is very important. So what you know ha- have you seen this play out in your own life? Why don't you kind of go with your story there? Sure.
1: Well, first and foremost, you have to be interested in in doing something different. Opportunities are not just going to fall into your lap. Generally speaking. Right. So I had to rethink my thinking. Uh, and that started with, you know, finding the right podcast to listen to that had to do in this case, you know, it had to do with you know real estate investing and, and generating passive income. And then, you know, books followed. Right. Or at the same time, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, is a great one that people always name. A great mindset book to get you on the right, right footing and becoming your own banker later. And, you know, myriads of other books. So knowledge first. And the other thing was. And I've I've said this before to you is, you know, I happen to know you. I saw what you were doing. I saw, saw that you were on a podcast doing house flipping. And I was like, what's Dave doing? I haven't reached out to him in a while since Afghanistan. So we I pinged you and you know, simultaneously I'd gotten, you know, some into some real estate investing at the same time. And then hence we got into private lending together. Uh made my first private loan to you. But none of that would have happened had I not been seeking it, right? So you gotta seek opportunity, like you said earlier. You have to, you have to find it but once you have found it word of mouth is a thing oh yeah your network is your net worth right so my relationship with you blossomed into relationships with now really dozens of other people who have the same mindset and have been able to rethink their thinking as we have
0: yeah absolutely and you started that mindset shift before you even were introduced to the infinite banking concept and you know really understanding how to leverage your capital in the way that we do now. Um so so you started seeing that early on. And, and so did I and I think a lot of that happened by getting myself around other people doing similar things. You know, I joined a a big mastermind group that cost a lot of money uh to to help with my real estate business and it was it was worth every penny and it continues to pay dividends because those relationships last and you know, a couple of years down the road something else comes up that I you know, do a joint venture with Somebody I met a few years back. Somebody just said recently, I was talking to somebody, actually, my fitness coach. I hired a fitness coach because um, I'm getting to the age yeah, you, where. You need it. <laughs> yeah. I don't run. I choose not to run. That's right. Uh, but um, I'm getting to that age where things don't feel the same they used to. So, what do you do when you want to get better? Is something you hire a coach? Uh, in my opinion, I've hired business coaches, uh, fitness coaches. Yeah. I mean, that's really it right now in my, my later adult life. But so he was talking about putting yourself around the right people and, and just seeing there are shortcuts to, to get to where you want to be. And one of those things is being around other people who know more than you. So doing that and people who are doing bigger and better things than you, has certainly helped me. And then, like you said, just those podcast books. It's funny, the things you'd to early on are now so basic that you just kind of, you're like, oh, that's so basic. Everybody knows that. But the truth is not everybody knows that because we didn't when we first started. So you know, sometimes uh, I think we have to train ourselves to realize not everybody is in the same place in their journey as we are. And we're not in the same place that other people are who are ahead of us. So there's always that learning, uh, you know, we'll never hit that arrival syndrome of, of knowing everything there is to know about leveraging capital and banking and and uh, private lending, investing and everything like that. But um, it's all about the way you think. So that's another big principle um, that Nelson preached is it's all about the way you think. Change the way you think and you can change your life. Um, so. One example I like to to talk about is, you know, you it, it's no different than when you have your your heart set on that new Dodge Ram, like I did, you know, a couple of years ago. The new body style came out and then all of a sudden I'm seeing those Dodge Rams everywhere, right? They were there before I started thinking about them, but once I started thinking about them, they're everywhere. And now that I got one, um, you know, I got what I wanted. I got that opportunity and, and seized it. And now it's on to focusing elsewhere, but it's no different with opportunities financially is once you're not going to see them if you're not looking for them, Right. Plain and simple. You're just not going to see them if you're not looking for them. And that that was something that recently happened to me where I'm looking for a commercial building to buy in my local area to create kind of a community, a hub for like minded people to get together. And and that and, and also create a car, an office space for myself. And there's a perfect building about two miles from my house that I drive by all the time. And it's had a for sale sign out there probably for a couple months now. I didn't see it until last week. And when I called the number, the guy said, oh, we just closed on that last week. We just haven't taken the sign down. And I'm thinking if I had in my mind and I had been looking for that, I would have noticed that as soon as that I, I drove by it the first time. But I didn't because it wasn't on my mind. So I didn't see it, even though it was staring me in the face. Right. I'm sure you have examples like that, too. Uh, but what, what kind of opportunities have come along that, that would not have otherwise come along to you? Uh, had you not been well capitalized?
1: Well, there's too many to list, right? Uh, You know of of several of them because you brought the opportunities to me because they came through your network that you had established, right? Mm-hmm. And that's important too, like nurturing relationships over the years, like keeping them alive, you know, keeping contact with those folks, not just, you know, because you did one deal, but just, just because you genuinely care about what they're doing and, uh, and they genuinely care about what you're doing. And that's what I found too, is the people in this space, whether it's in the real estate syndication space or if it's just in the private lending space, there's some really good folks out there that share your values, that share your dreams and your passions and those are the people you want to be around and they happen to be great at what they do which makes it even better right so they're cool to hang out with and then they're just cool people to know because you can learn from them right um so it's very humbling in a lot of circumstances to be around these people just to see what they're what the The volume of deals that they do, and a lot of them donate, you know, significant amounts of money to charities as well. So it's it's just nice to be around those people, and it's you know, kind of makes me a you know a better person uh, myself because makes me think, hey, I'd like to I'd like to get get to that level so I can do those things as well on a on a more expanded level than I do now. So I think you know, I think that's incredibly incredibly important, and one of the most fulfilling parts of all of this that that I've that I've gotten into. But as far as your original question, okay. So I got a buddy, old army buddy, right, that um, I've, I've lent money to before. And he's a he was a he's a rehabber. You know, he's a full time W two guy, but he's also highly skilled as far as, you know, drywalling and flooring and he can do a lot of things with his hands. Um so we did a private loan last year. And it was, you know, six months, six to nine month balloon and super smart guy. And Super trustworthy, you know, impeccable character, shares our view of the world, right? So, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. I'm like, absolutely, bro. We're going to – I'll do this deal. Well, he reached out again a few weeks ago. And I reached out to my network because at the time I I didn't have the capital to deploy that he needed. And, you know, right now he's working with another buddy of mine that recently got into private lending last year. And he's going to do – he's going to be, you know, play bank for this guy. So, it – you know, I like being the connector sometimes, right? It's just Mm – it, um, it, I'm, I'm helping two friends ultimately, you know, make money, both of them at the same time.
0: Yeah. And, and it's not like you're, you're tech, you're brokering a deal or anything. You're just connecting people, introducing, connecting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because you don't need to make money every single deal that comes along, right. If you, if you don't do it yourself, you pass it on to somebody else and, and let them do it because I mean, it's all going to come back to you in the end. I, right? I
1: really believe that, right. If you do right by people, you know, it,
0: good things will come by you. So yeah. So far that's been true. So tell me how, what what's your preferred uh, scenario? So now you and I both do private lending. Sometimes we do it together, sometimes we do it individually. And I think you lend more often to private individuals than I do. I've done a couple loans to private individuals. My preference is to lend to private businesses that have more assets and revenue that can kind of guarantee my loan. What's your what's your preference? Well,
1: it really depends, right? Obviously there's a level of risk involved in anything you do. Right. Any decision you make as far as money, there's going to be some sort of trade off and there's not really any good guidelines out there other than, you know, think like a bank. When you sign for a mortgage or a car note or something, you're you're really those loans are fully collateralized, right? You are signing over all of your assets when you sign on the dotted line or you know, the the 50,000 pieces of paper that you sign when you buy a house. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. There's all those it's ridiculous, right? Yep. But you are you are signing over all your assets against, you know, the lien, you know, for the, for that loan, right? So all your retirement accounts, your savings, maybe not your life insurance though. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> um, so think but, like a bank so that's and that's what people you know and i never did before either until mm-hmm. i mean but it's so easy that blueprint is already out there it's like well hey what is when i go to the bank and request a loan what does the bank require from me what do they ask in return for me so if i do private lending And I'm acting as the bank. Why would I not require the exact same things?
1: And I do. I, you know, I do a certain level of like underwriting. Right. And, you know, in the early years in 2017 loans, I did then over the first couple of years, probably in my private lending career or whatever, I would not do now. Same. Right. I would not. I would not. And we've talked about that. I I would not do now. Um, So I like collateral. I like collateralized loan. I'll I'll give up some. um, There's a good lesson on this in, in the richest man in Babylon, the book, right? About you know, kind of chasing those high returns. You know, don't yeah. be allured by those you know kind of unrealistic returns, right?
0: Yeah, those um, pro formas that show that you're going to get a you know a 300 percent return in two years, right? You know, it's, I fell for know, something likely, like
1: that, right? Likely not going to occur. Um, so anyway, I like I like collateral. I like uh, you know proven performance. I I generally will pull a credit report on folks if I don't know them. Um, so that one that we did out in uh, in Utah, you know, we I pulled you know, ask him to pull credit. And yeah. so I could see all that. And you ask those tough questions, right? You ask you know, questions that ultimately, you know, an underwriter at a bank's going to going to ask you, you know, have you declared bankruptcy in the last seven years? And of course you're gonna see that when you pull the proper reports. But anyway, so you gotta, again, think like a bank because you could get yourself into trouble if you don't. If you're just doing this willy nilly, uh, if you think that's how this is done, uh, that's a mistake. This is a very serious, you know, return of capital is a, very, is a thing, it's very important it's the most important thing, right? Is to never lose money. Yeah. So, um, I would say, you know, treat it, treat it as a business. It's very serious. And if you don't like something, it's nothing personal. you walk away. Right. I yeah. Know, it's just as simple as that.
0: Yeah. And when, when a bank underwrites you, what are they actually underwriting? They're, they're underwriting your ability to, to perform on that loan, to make the monthly payment or whatever kind of payment structure it is. They're underwriting your ability to pay that loan back, right? So we are doing the exact same thing. And that's another part of that private lending is, okay, I'm going to loan you this money. And if we're taking monthly cash flow, maybe interest only or principal and interest, a big question is, how are you going to be able to make this payment back? Even if you don't make any money doing this, where's your other revenue source that's going to pay me back even while you're waiting to you know, to make money on this and whether it fails or not. So that's a, a very important Piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So, well, so you were doing this before infinite banking, before you started your, your dividend paying whole life insurance policies, you were, you had capital that you were deploying. Why can't you just put your money in the bank and, you know, in, in your checking savings account and use that cash? How does infinite banking make what you're doing even better?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, Incorporating IBC into your world, right, will enhance whatever it is you were already doing. So let's say, you know, I had a twin brother who was doing the exact same thing as I was, except he was just using his checking and savings account to do it instead of, you know, high cash value life insurance. At first, he's going to outperform me, right? Right. Because, over, because why? Just because there's no, you know, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of liquidity, meaning right, every yeah. dollar that I've paid in premium into my system of policies will not have produced an equal dollar of cash value. Right. Yeah, and that's not, fine. Not right away. Yep. Not right away. Over yep. time, it'll produce many times over. Right. Yeah. Every dollar in premium will produce many times over in cash value. Right. right? I illustrated a policy today for someone who, you know, in year 31, every dollar in premium is producing six times. Wow. Yeah. Over in premium. Right. So yeah. imagine. You know, you're paying $100,000 a year in premium and it produces $600 two weeks
0: later. It's nice. It'll be nice.
1: that will yeah. be nice. Anyway, so so it enhances it, right? I'm piling my capital into my policies and my system of policies. I'm using the life insurance company's money to do the, do the private loan or do this uh, real estate transaction, right? Meanwhile, my money inside my policy over here is untouched, continuing to earn un- un- uninterrupted growth, compound interest, right? And that's the idea, right? Do not touch your money. Do not interrupt that compounding effect because once you interrupt compounding, you're, you're starting from scratch again. And that's the beauty over the long haul of IBC and dividend paying whole life is that you never interrupt that line of compound growth and over the long haul, it makes an enormous difference. And it's not like, Oh, I need you to show me, you know, this special like third party software calculator thing and show me what that looks like. It's, no, it's, it's fairly obvious. If you understand IBC and how the product works of dividend paying whole life, it's fairly obvious that that is a fact. The person doing IBC with a properly structured policy will run away from the person who is not.
0: Yeah, it's math. It's math. Just like you know, a 30-year a mortgage is a better financial decision than a 15-year mortgage. Fact. Just by the numbers alone. You can just by the numbers. Um <sighs> It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make that a future episode. But it, another difference between you and your your uh, hypothetical twin brother is when he's taking that money out of his bank account to use for a an opportunity. How many jobs is that dollar performing? Just a, one. One. A single job. With the way that you and I use our capital, it first goes into properly structured dividend paying life insurance policies, and we never take that money out. Just like you said. We leverage that for essentially a line of credit from the insurance company, use their money, and now we have the same dollar doing two jobs. One, inside the policy, earning that uninterrupted compound growth, as you said, and two, earning outside the policy at you know w- whatever opportunity we decided on trying to get the best return we can get. That's kind of where I chase my return, if you will, is outside the policy. And even then, like you said, the first step is don't lose don't lose money. So protect your capital and then look at the return. So, yeah, you know, and that's a, the biggest mistake I ever made was, you know, well, two times in 2006 and 2015, I loaned pretty significant chunks of money for me, especially at that time um, to opportunities that had zero collateral, nothing backing it up except uh, a promissory note. That not even said, a personal guarantee, not even a personal guarantee. So I can't even, you know, wait until that person gets back on yep. their feet to pay me back. I, like I won't nothing. do anything without, I won't do anything at a minimum without a personal guarantee. There is now. no skin in the game for that person. Right. Nope. Other than their, their reputation, which to me is huge. Like my reputation is, is worth more than money. So, but not to everybody, you know, some people money is is the end all be all. And as long as they don't have any skin in the game, if, if they lose my money or maybe they don't do it directly, but the, where they use that money, something else goes wrong, right? There's so many things that can go wrong when you get in that situation and the money's gone. They can say, look, Hey, you signed the paperwork. It said you can lose a hundred percent of your principal and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't sue me. I mean, you can sue me, but I don't know an attorney that's going to take that case because the paperwork said you can lose everything." And I didn't do anything criminal. So, yeah, I lost I lost too much. So and and maybe I don't think everybody understands those rules until they actually get bit by the snake. Right. So you got to You got to get bitten once or twice before you're like, oh, that's why Warren Buffett says don't ever lose money. And then rule number two is refer to rule number one. So, yeah. And at this
1: point in your life, it must seem it must be just fairly annoying sometimes like an itch you just can't scratch. And it never goes away because knowing what, you know, now in hindsight, you never would have done those things.
0: Right. Never would have done those. But I write it off as, you know, it, it's, some it's an cost. education. Yeah, it's an yeah. education. I mean, I paid a lot of money for that education. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't learn from others. I had to learn it myself. But um, but, you know, I, I don't stew on it. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. Yep. And, you know, if if someday they make good on that money and bring it back, it's going to be a bonus to me. But for right now, I just have to mentally and, off. and sure. emotionally write it off and working with my CPA to find a way to write off the loss uh, to help me, you know, w- w- with taxes, at least get something out of it. Yep. Right. So there's maybe a way to salvage something. So, yeah. Um. So really, yeah. I mean, when you have capital, opportunity will find you. And I don't that is not a lie.
1: No,pe I I want to add this comment. You know, on what you just said is that um, I refuse not refuse. Is it the right word? I turn down uh, opportunities pretty much weekly now um, through through the expansive network that uh, that has been created over the last five years or so. Um, you know, you run out of. And I've, I've said this, in all my friends listening, that they're, I've said this to them. I've run out of money before I run out of opportunity. Oh yeah. For sure. It's, it's not even close, right? There's just endless opportunity. There's, and they are good opportunities as well. And I wish I could do all of them, but I, but I cannot.
0: So, yep. So you get to be choosy because even if you have capital available for those opportunities and you decide to pass on one of them and you're not putting your capital to work, Guess what? It's still, I mean, because of where it's sitting right now, because of where you store your capital, it's working for you, whether you're utilizing it for an opportunity outside of your policy or not. And that's that's a great thing. Yeah, it gives you time and and makes you a more um, judicial uh, investor or private lender.
1: Yeah, I mean, cash is king, I don't care. You can look at any of these Facebook groups where people are asking about loans and, oh, interest rates and mortgages at 30 years are five and a quarter now or whatever they are. Uh, I'm like, yeah, that policy loan looks pretty pretty good right now, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, some people say cash is king. And what they mean by that is paying cash is the best thing to do always, right? When you and I say cash is king, cash is king because you're able to make decisions from a position of strength when you have cash. Like you could get a 30 year mortgage or you could buy the house with cash. You have choices. That's right. You know, you got better things to do with your money than lock it in the walls of your house for 30 years. So your choice is to get a 30 year mortgage and 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 use your cash for something better. Yep. Right.
1: Speaking of that, I just had a, I have a new client that I've been working with for several months and now we're finally ready to do the application and, you know, was paying an extra 400 a month maybe on a, on a car payment, right? That's probably at 1.9 or 2.9 or 0. 0.9 or whatever it is. It's fair, probably a low interest rate because she's had it a while and, um, you know, I had success. I, I got yeah. her to realize that, that maybe wasn't the best thing to do with her capital was to give it back to the finance company faster than they want. Yeah. Um, build your own capital over here in this asset class. And guess what? At the end of this thing, you'll have the capital and the paid off car. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, light bulb
0: goes off explosion of the mind. Oh yeah. That makes way more sense. Yeah, of course it does. Yep. I'm I'm working with a new guy uh, in New York and he just a year ago, refinanced into a 15-year mortgage. And now, you know, in our first conversation, he's like, man, I wish I would have known all this uh, over a year ago because now he's like, I'm paying $1,000 a month more towards my mortgage every month that that could have been a $1,000 a month I could be putting into somewhere else that's going to grow my capital better and and still have it available to use for opportunities. So, you know, he, he's not going to go back and get a 30 year now. It's kind of, he just refinanced a year ago. So he kind of, yeah, he, it's just a, a matter of, you know, at the right, at that time, it was the right thing for him to do. But then as your knowledge base progresses, your education journey continues, you realize, ah, what I thought was right then maybe isn't the right thing now. So it's just, it's the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure he locked in a low interest rate though. Oh, I'm sure it's very low, but it's still a thousand dollars a month cash flow yep. that he's not able to utilize. Yep. I know yeah. it, um, you know, looking back when
1: I did it, I just, I wish I could go back and tell myself, Hey, don't do that, man. Do something more productive, but
0: you don't know what you don't know at the time. And true. And everybody's on their own journey and that's okay. So yep. as long as it is a journey and you're, and you just, and you haven't reached the end and decided it's the end and you know everything there is to know it's a journey you're gonna be learning you know until the day you die so well cool that was good so again when you have capital opportunity will find you yep and just gotta change up the way you think
1: rethink your thinking read becoming your own banker and nelson nash talks about in that 92 page book he talks about when his buddy was undercapitalized needed to sell that parcel of land then later on he wanted to sell more for pennies on the dollar hold on a second You know, he's like, I need to call State Farm and get that money. It's so true. And he explains it in that book in a very simple example of how, and then he used the, the sale of that parcel of land, I think, to go to Europe for a month. Yeah, his entire family. So it's just, it's so true. And until you're doing it though, it's,
0: it's, it's foreign concept, but true. once you are doing it, it seems just like the way to go. And if history is any indication, there's going to be plenty of opportunities coming up here in the next couple of years. Yeah, so. That inverted curve is a thing. Yeah. So, which could be another future episode as well. Well, all right, cool. I think that's good for one episode, Paul. Hey, thanks for uh, meeting up again, man. And and thanks for, thanks for listening everybody. everybody. Uh, if you like it, share it with your friends and uh, reach out over email if you ever want to talk. Send a question in. We'll, we'll do another Q&A episode in the future. And I uh, look forward to talking to you guys again next week. We'll see you, Paul.
1: See you next week. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a
0: future episode, please send us an email to Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.